All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today is my scouting report, the final one in this series covering the Falcons 2018 NFL Draft Class. Of course, we are talking about none other than the Falcons' sixth-round pick, linebacker out of Yale University, that is Foye Oluwika. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, founder of Falcons.com, one of the longest-running Falcon websites on the Internet, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. You can, of course, find me on Twitter, tweeting my thoughts on whatever, at Falcons. And today we are talking about Foye Oluwakun. I know I promised, or I didn't. I don't know if I promised. I, I shouldn't promise anything on these podcasts because I'm bound to disappoint. But I think I discussed on the previous episode on Friday that we would do a fan talk potentially today but uh, unfortunately scheduling conflicts came up and that was not the case and so instead you get your foyer Oluwakun scouting report right on the heels of Russell Gage right on the heels of Edo Smith Isaiah Oliver Dejan Sanat Calvin Ridley am I missing anyone no I think I think I got it so we're going to wrap up our scouting report series we will potentially could may possibly have some future episodes dealing with these rookies if I can get other people on to share their insights into these players and sort of uh, give you a little bit more of a well-rounded perspective of these draft picks uh, later this summer uh, before we get into training camp if that all comes together. But as it is now June, and I've been promising that since the beginning of May, you know, at this point in time, you guys know what the deal is with that. So let's jump right ahead and let's talk about Foye Ulukun. It was a little hard digging up tape of Foye Ulukun. Nobody's exactly putting up Yale film, Yale cut-ups on YouTube, which is my primary resource for watching these guys. Occasionally I'll get my hands on some All-22, but uh, I didn't even bother looking for Yale All-22. Um, the only games I watched were the Harvard game and the Columbia game. And the problem is, I probably, you know, I think I saw every snap of the Harvey game, but probably only like three quarters of the Columbia game. It didn't, it didn't feel like a complete game. And so the problem is when you only watch two games of a guy and what makes it difficult specifically for a Luakun, like if a Luakun had spent four years as a linebacker, I can sort of allow and mentally fill in some of the blanks um, with him. That just off of two games, I can assume certain things, but because he sort of began his career as a DB playing safety, primarily his first three years, and then moving the linebacker as a, as a senior, I can't necessarily make those same assumptions that I would for a guy that spent his entire career playing one position. Um, so it, it's a little bit harder to project a Luakun based off of those two games than it normally would be. Normally, I would I feel reasonably comfortable if he was a, just any old linebacker. Like I, I can watch two, two, two games of some of these undrafted guys and feel pretty good about their projection, or at least feel a little bit better about their projection than I do with a low cut. So, I, I that's what I'm going to preface this episode with, and so, um, let's get into it. Okay, let's talk about some of the strengths and weaknesses of a low cut. You, you like the speed, you like the athleticism that's apparent from his testing, but you also see it show up on the field. Um, you know, I think part of it is, particularly if you watch that Harvard game on YouTube, it was a very muddy field and the conditions weren't necessarily ripe for him to really show off that lessons. But you saw flashes of it. You certainly saw instances where he looked like one of the premier athletes on the field in that game. And so I'll be definitely curious to sort of see 
once he is able to play on an NFL field like at the Benz this summer, whether or not that athleticism pops a little bit more. The size is an issue, obviously being, what, 6'1", 229 at his pro day. Um, you know, he doesn't have ideal NFL size at the position, but he certainly has enough size at the position, so I don't think it's going to be a huge, huge liability, but it is going to affect certain things, aspects of his game, and we'll touch upon those a little bit later. Um, I think the one area where, you know, I wanted to see a little bit more from him, but I saw flashes of ability was in coverage. Uh, I thought he did a pretty good job when he was asked to cover tight ends. Uh, I didn't think he did as good a job when he was asked to cover wide receivers, particularly um, when he was asked to cover those guys on inter- intermediate and deeper routes. I think those were instances where his lack of speed was exposed a little bit, and so he didn't necessarily look like a guy that clocks a sub 4-5 trying to run with these Ivy League receivers that I'm assuming aren't clocking 40 times that much faster than a 4-4-8 that Olo Kuhn ran, and so you wouldn't necessarily see him play like he was 4-4-8 speed on, on the field I saw. So maybe some of that has to do with the field conditions, um, but that was something that was noticeable to me. Uh, he Earlier in his career from just like highlights I saw of his days as a safety, there were instances where I thought he was a little bit you know stiff compared when he was covering slot receivers and whatnot. Um, so that, that's something that keep an eye on. I think the other thing I noticed with him when he was working in coverage was he had a tendency to be very handsy and I think he was good at jamming guys and redirecting guys, um, while they were in their routes. But I think, you know, when he gets to the next level, it's going to be a little bit less emphasis on being as physical as you're allowed to be in college at times, um, where, you know, you don't have that like five yard chuck rule. Uh, or if they do, they don't really enforce it. Um, but I, I think, you know, that's going to be something that we'll have to keep an eye on early on in his career. Even though he has a lot of coverage potential, you know, it might take him a little bit more time to transition to the league where he's going to have to rely a little bit more on his feet and his technique and his balance and his hips and all those sorts of things to cover as opposed to his hands. And I think we'll have to keep an eye and see if that gets coached up in any way. I honestly am not really expecting that to to really significantly increase. I think he'll be an okay, functionally capable cover guy in in the NFL, but not necessarily someone who's like a quote unquote good cover guy. And you know, I think that's that's interesting because I think it fits really right in line with what the rest of the Falcons linebackers are. I think the rest of the linebackers are good relative to most NFL teams, are good relative to the average NFL linebacker. But I think people often mistake that as saying that they're quote-unquote good when it comes to sort of man coverage. And I don't think that's really something that our linebackers are really great at, or at least to the level that I think people will perceive them to be. You know, when the Falcons truly want to try to erase a running back or a tight end from another team's uh, offensive playbook, what they wind up doing is not putting a linebacker on that guy. They wind up putting Keanu Neal on that guy. Um, and I think, you know, when we, we're going up against a Theo Riddick or Chris Thompson, Gio Bernard, Alvin Kamara type, you're going to more often see the Falcons put Keanu Neal on those guys than necessarily putting Deion Jones or Devondre Campbell. And I don't necessarily know if Oluokun is going to necessarily rise up, as it were, um, and, and be 
leapfrog any of those guys to be a potential candidate there. And I think the, the interesting thing with Riley and Aluakun is on paper, both of those guys have better agility tests, better change of direction abilities in terms of their testing than either Jones or Campbell does. But we never really got an opportunity to see Riley get really any action in man covers last year. Um, and truth be told, we probably won't see him get a ton of Act more action this year, and certainly not Aluakun being much more further down on the depth chart than any of those guys. So it's it's one of those things where even if they have that ability, even if they were potentially better coverage guys, both Riley and Aluakun, I don't know if there's going to be any real opportunities for them to showcase that ability. Um, but I do think you could certainly argue because of his past as a safety, because of his experience covering receivers and tight ends, Aluokun at least has a little bit more potential as far as his coverage goes, but um, and certainly has more potential there and ability there than your typical backup that even the Falcons have had over the years. Um, but I, I think even even if that is true, that he is a much better cover guy, I think the reality is you're probably not going to see it anytime soon, actually on the field. So it's not it may be a strength of his, but we probably won't know about it anytime soon just because of how far down the depth chart he is and, and the fact of the matter is if if he's playing given any situation the Falcons are probably going to be playing a lot more zone and one of the things I noticed again he wasn't really asked to play a ton of zone but watching the the games it was like he didn't show anything in zone that made me go like oh well he can play a lot of good zone it's like okay he might be all right in zone but there wasn't anything to really glean off the tape that says that he's either really good or really bad at it. It's just kind of, he, he was okay, I guess. And with that, before we move on and talk a little bit more about Foyer Aluokun, I do want to remind you guys to check out LockedOnSports.com, the one-stop hub of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find content related to the NFL, Major League Baseball, and, of course, the NBA Finals. On LockedOnSports.com, your team Every day. So when we look at Foyer Luakun as a run support guy, I think his tackling could use some work. I think even watching some of his highlights, you didn't see uh, from his days as a safety, his highlights in his first couple of years at Yale, you didn't see a guy that was going around smacking dudes. You know, he wasn't a big time hitter, even considering the sort of size disparity that he had playing that position early on in his career. You know, there was instances in, in watching him this past year um, where he missed some stops in the open field, might take a bad angle here or there. We know this coaching staff believes that they can coach up tackling. And while I wouldn't necessarily say there's a ton of evidence saying that they've done so with flying colors uh, over the years, there is at least some evidence to suggest that it's not that big a deal. Or if it is an issue, it's not going to be it's going to be less of an issue going forward and potentially a non-issue moving forward with a little gun. So I'm not too worried about the tackling thing, but it wouldn't totally shock me if we see him struggle a little bit with that, at least during his first uh, training camp in Atlanta. Um, the reading recognition skills are a little bit more of a question mark. I, it was really hard to glean from those two games. I saw uh, those two teams play in particular, play a little bit more of a spread type of offense. So there weren't really many opportunities where they ran the ball between the tackles and the few occasions where Oluokun was asked to do that, there wasn't a whole lot he did that makes you get excited about his ability there. 
Um, he was used more like an outside linebacker that lined up in space, covered the slot, played lined up on the edge, did all those sorts of things. And in Atlanta, assuming that he plays weak side linebacker in Atlanta, it's going to be more of an inside linebacker. You're more akin to a 3-4 inside linebacker, a guy that's uh, you know off the ball, off the line of scrimmage. And that's going to change where his reads are. And I think you know the few times where he was sort of in that position at, at Yale this past season, he looked a little slow. He looked like he was caught out of position a couple of times. And uh, I th- so I think there's going to be a little bit of a transition for him at the next level. Um, but I think a lot of that could be argued is, is because of his lack of experience from making that transition from safety to linebacker permanently this year. And so I think there's certainly a, a case to be made that there's room for him to grow there. Um, I thought he did a decent job stacking and shedding blocks. There were times where he did a great job going up against an offensive line, you know, stacking that guy beating the block and making the tackle. There were other times where he would get stuck on a block against a wide receiver or a tight end out in space on a screen pass. And you're like, okay. You know, so I do think, you know, going back to the whole size issue, I do think this is probably going to be a little bit more problematic given the abundance of 300-pound offensive linemen he's going to have to face at the NFL level. So the fact that he wasn't consistently good at it doesn't necessarily give me a lot of hope. And optimism that he's that's going to be a strength of his game at the next level. Um, so I, I think we'll we'll have to see. Um, but it's one of those things where I can't necessarily fall one way or the other on that, just simply because he wasn't asked to do it a whole lot. But based off of what little I saw, and based off of the jump in competition from going from the Ivy League to you know having to handle Zach Martin or whatever. Um, that's a pretty big jump. So I, I'm not necessarily going to be overly optimistic about it. Um, one thing I do like about Oluokun is how edgy he is. Uh, you know, I, I use air quotes when I say that. Like, he plays with a little bit of an edge. He plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, as they might say. And I'm sort of eager to see if we we see more of that, if we see more of that mentality this preseason when he gets a little bit more opportunities, that's going to be that's going to go a long way, at least for me, in terms of really sort of judging what his potential is on defense. Because I do think if you sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, play with your hair on fire, you can kind of like if you just play like an aggressive physical style. I think that's going to endear him a little bit more to the coaching staff rather than sort of this tentative style. And so that can sort of, I won't say necessarily mask mistakes, but it will give him a little bit more opportunities. Um, than he probably would afford if he's a little bit too tentative or whatnot. So that's something I'm looking forward to seeing. You saw flashes of it. You saw times where he was like, he was giving guys a little bit extra, you know, at the whistle, maybe a little bit beyond the whistle, um, you know, hitting guys while they were on the ground. You know, just a couple of instances, a couple of moments here or there that I'm like, okay, he's he, he's got a little edge to him. I, I like that, and I think. I think you kind of need that at linebacker. I think it's kind of a fight or flight response, so to speak. And this is one of the reasons I I was critical of Deion Jones, particularly as a rookie, less so as a, it didn't show up as much as in his second year, this past year. But I just remember like watching Deion Jones, watching Keanu Neal, and it's sort of those instances when when it's you know you're backed up against a corner with a 300 pound offensive lineman bearing down you. Keanu Neal has that sort of fight instinct, where it's like I'm just going to go through you. 
And I think Keon and Deion Jones has more of that flight instinct, which is I'm going to evade and, and avoid you at the at, at all costs. And that's what I saw throughout Deion Jones' rookie year, not so much this past year, as I said. Um, and so I do wonder whether or not on that spectrum, where does Aluakun fall? I saw some things, enough things to make me think that maybe he's a little bit more of a fighter than a, a flyer, as they might say. Um but I don't know. So that's going to be something I am going to be curious to keep my eye on when we get to see him in, you know, preseason against, you know, third string. But at least in, in and technically it is NFL competition. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that, that plays out for him. Now, we got more to talk about with Foye Oluokun, but pardon this minor tangent for a second. But longtime listeners know I'm not as keen on the Falcons' latest mantra that they've been using since the Super Bowl of In Brotherhood. I still think Rise Up is so much better. It's much versatile. It applies to so many different situations. And if you are interested in rising up, BlueChew.com can help because they bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, guys... They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity rises up. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No more in-person doctor's visits. No more waiting at the pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. So they're cheaper than any pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On. And to try it for free, BlueChew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. Now, one of the other things about Oluokun that I like is... Uh, you saw flashes of his pass rush ability. Like uh, there were a couple of times where he would blitz off the edge, go up against an offensive tackle, use a little bit of a bull rush, drive that guy back, and and get some pressure on the quarterback. And with his speed and closing speed, if he wasn't blocked, he, he was almost always going to come up with the sack or the hit to to pressure the quarterback. Um, one of the interesting things watching him was though when he got opportunities to go up against a running back. He wasn't quite as effective as a blitzer. And I think, you know, my theory, I guess, is it's all about leverage. Low man wins, as they say. And when he's going up against like a six foot four offensive tackle, he's the low man. And so he's able to get under that guy's pads. But when he's going up against like a 5'10 running back, you know, the running back tends to be have a little bit more of an advantage there. So that's something that I think needs to be refined a little bit if he's going to be more of a blitzer. But I don't necessarily think the Falcons are going to be like, oh, yeah, Foye Olukun. He's our blitzing maven. But if should he get opportunities on defense, he should have a couple of opportunities to do that. And I think he's shown enough that makes you think that he could be a competent to capable blitzer if given those opportunities. Um, you know, I think that really wraps up, I think, where his strengths and weaknesses are. I think he has tools to work with, but I can't sit here and be overly optimistic about his upside I think, you know, if you ask what is his ceiling, like, you know, I say, like, to use a um, close-by comparison, I would say, like, a player, like, he's a more athletic version of Kamal Ishmael. And I think that's a guy that's more of a competent backup than a guy, you know, a guy that you could comfortably start for a couple of games, two, three games, maybe four, uh, in the event of an injury. But, 
if you're planning on starting him for longer than that, you're probably going to be um, a little disappointed. Basically, like if if Kamal Ishmael or potentially Foye Olu can start 16 games for you one season, there's probably a very, very high probability that the very following offseason you're either dipping into the free agent market to get somebody to replace him or you're going to use a very high pick on a linebacker to potentially push him back to the bench. And I think that's really sort of where a little concealing is as a quality backup, not necessarily in, you know, a functional short-term starter, but not a true starter. And I think, you know, if that's where a little concealing is and he winds up being that and is capable and plays, you know, seven or more years in the league, like Ishmael, you know, what we year six with Ishmael. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you know, that's extremely good for a six round pick, I would say. And so like, you know, that's part of the reason why I tend to get a little bit baffled when people say things like, you know, I, I don't know if people have been saying these things. I, I think feel, I feel like a has been the least talked about draft pick that we've had this so far this off season. Um, but you know, I don't know if it, you see these takes out there, but just imagining if someone's out there saying like, I think Aluokun has starting potential. I'm like, really? Do you really think that? Or are you just saying a thing because it sounds good? Um, you know, I don't know saying yes, starting potential. Like he does some things well, but it, everything would have to go so right for him, perfectly right for him, for me to think that he could be a starter and be an unquestioned starter. Um that, uh, I don't know. I just don't think that's a really realistic thing. And we don't necessarily have to project everybody to be a starter, guys. Six-round picks are allowed to be backups. It's fine. Um, where his floor is, sorry, I went on too much of a tangent. Where his floor is is kind of basically like, oh, he's a guy that's out of the league in two years. Like, let's be honest here. Um, you know, so I think because of that, where his where he ultimately projects and where he ultimately finishes as an NFL player, is going to depend heavily on special teams. And I think right now, looking at the situation, I think he's, stands a, he's in a prime position to be that fifth linebacker behind Jones, Campbell, Riley, and Ishmael and be active on game days and be asked to play a prominent role on special teams as a rookie. Um, whether he takes advantage of that opportunity, we'll have to see. That's what training camp and preseason is for. But I do think he's in a prime position to win that spot. And so right now, you know, assuming that he doesn't fall flat on his face this summer, then I think he shouldn't have an opportunity to win that spot. And we'll, it's only time will tell whether or not he, you know, what he does with that opportunity. As I said in the Russell Gage, uh, Scott Report, I'm not going to sit here and project special teams guys like I have some sort of profound insight into that. Like he could be a good special teamers or he could be just mediocre. I have no idea at this point in time, but you know, there's reason. There's some reason to be optimistic there, uh, given his athleticism, given that sort of hard edge that he plays with. You know, tackling's got to be a little bit better. But um, that being said, like he could, he could, he could be fine there. So I think ultimately, where his NFL career goes is how how effective a special teams player he is, because if he can't perform on special teams, then you know, as I said earlier, there's not going to there's going to be so many other linebackers ahead of him over the the short term over the next 2 or 3 years that he's not really going to get too many opportunities to showcase his ability on defense unless there are multiple injuries at that spot you know you basically the only time you know if he's the fifth linebacker this year and presumably 
for years to come. The only time he's going to see the field is if both starters are injured and both Jones and Campbell are out, and then he's only seeing the field in base defense, presumably, because you got Ishmael playing middle linebacker, you got Duke Riley playing weak side linebacker, or, or whatever the case may be. He might even see this field in that situation. And I'm probably moving Vic Beasley, the strong side linebacker, in that situation. So who knows? I have no idea. But the point is, I'm you know I'm going on too many tangents. But the point is, I think his special teams ability holds the key to how long he sticks in Atlanta. And I think if he's a good special teams player, he has will have the opportunity to stick long enough that he can sort of develop more of these defensive skills, so that by the point where we're three or four years down the road, and he does get an opportunity to play on defense. He'll be able to take advantage of that opportunity and play perform at a high level. Um, one of the other things, I'll, uh, the last thing I'll talk about is I'll be curious to sort of see if he gets any looks at, at safety here in Atlanta, whether it's this year or in future years. I think given his comfort in space, given some of the question marks about his instincts and his recognition, uh, some of the inconsistent tackling, that he's arguably a better fit as a strong safety than as a linebacker in the scheme. Uh, at least in terms of what his learning curve is going to be at the next level. It's a little bit uh, steeper playing the linebacker position, arguably. Um, you know, so I, that'll be something that'll be interesting, but I don't know if those are two positions, strong safety and outside linebacker, that are really conducive, particularly for a rookie, to try to cross-train a guy at. You look at a guy like Ishmael, who spent basically three years playing safety before he ever got really any looks as a linebacker other than a couple of dime looks in 2015, um, you know, uh, under Dan Quinn. Um, but yeah, again, that's still, even if that's the case, it's still two plus years of, of playing safety before he ever got any shot at linebacker. And so I don't know if you can make that transition in reverse. I, I, I you hear a lot more of the safety that goes to a linebacker in the NFL rather than a linebacker that goes to safety NFL. Typically, you get closer to the line of scrimmage in the NFL as opposed to further away from the line of scrimmage in the NFL. Um, so I I wouldn't necessarily be optimistic that Oluokun, even if he the Falcons decide at some point, oh, well, he's not really cutting in as a linebacker, but we can just always move him to safety. I don't know if I would buy into that statement. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of have to, if you want him to be a safety you kind of need to play him at safety sooner rather than later, I think, and then try to potentially make him into more of a linebacker later than than sooner than vice versa, I guess. Um, if we're talking about is NFL comp, you know, it's hard because I'm not necessarily like blown away by a Lucan, but like if I was going to compare him to somebody, I would probably compare him more to Koi Wire than I would Kamal Ishmael, just because I think the athleticism Koi Wire has. Um, Corey White was a little bit smaller coming in the league, but he was a college safety. He was like 210 and a little bit 230. Um, but Corey White was a safety at Stanford. Um, I think he dabbled as a safety in Buffalo before getting moved to linebacker and wound up, as you guys may or may not recall, sticking as a special teams guy and a backup linebacker in Atlanta. Had a, a really solid year in 08 when Michael Boley, for various reasons, basically quit on the team. No offense, Michael Bowley, but your play suggested that you basically had quit on the team at that point in time. And then you got say, basically benched, and Coy Wire came in and was pretty good um, that year and the following year. So that's sort of where I see maybe potentially Oluwakun could be um, in terms of that. Like, you know, 
two, three, four years down the road, you know, whoever the, is the equivalent of Michael Bowley in your mind is not necessarily playing at a high level, and then maybe you could throw a little cut out there on the field and get decent value as a situational player. So I see some positives with Lulukum. I think there's things that he's got to work on. Um, I think, again, in, in all honesty, his value in Atlanta long-term is going to, like 90% of it is going to depend on the special team's ability. If he's a contributor there, as I said, he'll he'll be able to stick around long enough to see where his de- defensive potential potentially um, goes. If not, then the Falcons will probably find a replacement sooner rather than later that you know could contribute on special teams and may or may not have more defensive potential, but um, you know, as long as they have all these other long, young linebackers on the roster uh, for the you know, next couple of years, I don't think necessarily getting, you know, loading the team with great young defensive talent is really their goal. And I think, you know, we'll see sort of where Olukun falls on that uh, spectrum and, and see if he's more of a special teams guy or maybe he's got a little bit more to give this team as far as defense goes. So that's it, guys. Appreciate you listening to the my ravings of Foye Oluwakun. I am now done with the Scatter Report series, as I mentioned at the top of the show. If you have any additional uh, feedback that you would like to give about this or anything else podcast-related, then just go ahead and let me know at FileFans on Twitter. If it's podcast-related, again, mention it in the tweet. But if it is podcast-related, just go ahead and send it over Locked on Falcons. That's the show's Twitter handle. Of course, we're on Facebook, Locked on Falcons. Locked on Falcons at mail.com is the email address. And of course, you can leave a comment at lockdownfalcons.com or falcons.com where the show is posted daily. So, until then, guys. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.